You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's Wrestling Life. It's episode 164. We're in the third week of July, 2018. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, so much to talk about. And so much we can't talk about. (laughs) There's no shortage of interesting and infuriating things to discuss in the world of wrestling this week. There was a terrible WWE pay-per-view. There is the G1 going on, which absolutely ruined my life. (laughs) uh, I spent, no lie, no exaggeration, Um, I've been asleep for most of the last 18 hours (laughs) (laughs) Uh, after covering the G1 live on Saturday morning and Sunday morning. Uh, I made it through Monday okay, and then today there was a crash. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's going on. Oh, let's start with Terry. (laughs) All right. Hulk Hogan is back in the WWE Hall of Fame. I wasn't aware that he ever left it. Uh, yeah, I guess that was... I mean, he, he. it's funny. If you go to the Hall of Fame section on their website for the last couple of years, he wasn't in there. But mm-hmm. uh, there was never, as to my knowledge, any official declaration of him uh, being removed or suspended, apparently. Here's here's a weird thing about the well Hulk Hogan might be coming back and um if you believe what Mark Henry told TMZ and I have no reason not to said there's a split among the African American wrestlers in the company uh among those who are open to the idea of Hulk Hogan coming back and being something of an ambassador and some kind of anti-racism spokesperson or something. And then there are those who feel that this is not a, a sincere guy. This is a guy who got, who was more upset that he got caught uh, saying bad things than the fact that he actually said those things and apparently believed them and um, don't want anything to, to do with him. I saw one report this week that, Titus O'Neil walked out of the building on Sunday when he saw Hogan there. I have not seen that confirmed by a more reputable source, but I believe it. Um, I don't know. what. So this is at least something short of a full-blown return for Hulk Hogan, but the company is at least testing the waters. They had him show up at Extreme Rules and apologize to the locker room. Liam, what do you think about Hulk Hogan coming back? Um... I don't understand what the point of it is. And let me explain, expand on that a little bit. Um, I understand if you want to make, like, quietly make a, a new Legends deal with him, and so you can put him in video games or make toys or whatever, I don't, I don't really care about that. Um, you know, there are other people who have also done very bad things that they make toys of and show up in video games and stuff. Um, so, but I don't understand what doing like a very public, we're welcoming back 2018 
Hulk Hogan to our company, like, what good does that do them? I don't know. It's very bizarre to me, and the timing of it, too. It's like, okay, well, there's a new public enemy number one when it comes to racism this week, and it's Papa John. (laughs) And so now's the perfect time. Hulk Hogan is no longer the most racist man, uh, according to the public, because Papa John may or may not have... Look, what Papa John... I hate Papa John. What Papa John said was nowhere close to anything that Hulk Hogan said. Papa John didn't call anyone that name. He used uh, he used the N-word, which you just shouldn't do. But he was not... He didn't say anything one-tenth as bad as what Hulk Hogan said. <laughs> Correct. But it seems like they waited until there was someone with more heat on them than Hogan when it comes to that particular issue, and it was Papa John. And then there's a lot, they're like, yes, this is the moment. But to your point, I don't know what I don't know what value having Hulk Hogan brings you in 2018 when his his value for the last decade or so has only been well he can he can go do media for you and because he's very famous he can open doors that usually wouldn't be open to the wrestling business but in 2018 I think there are plenty of people like that, like John Cena and Dwayne Johnson and even Triple H to a to a degree uh, who are kind of in the fold and have not said extremely racist things (laughs) publicly. Right. And, And also, anytime Hogan goes to do any media or any public appearances, the first thing he's going to be asked about, or hey, you're back after you said some really horrible things about people. <laughs> like I don't know how this is, I don't know how this is a positive in any way, shape, or form, uh, any way, shape, or form for the company. I just, I don't get it at all. Yeah, and we kind of talked about that, and I'm not trying to equate or say which what is bad and what is worse. But when they did that, when they did the the tribute to Snuka after his death, uh, and it's like that was real gross. And but you have to assume that's a Vince call because you would think from all from all appearances at least that Stephanie and Hunter are pretty good about PR and ha- or at the very least have people around them that are good at PR and know how to you know, not do stuff that sets you up, you know, to not make pro wrestling or WWE in a bad light, not to, you know, actively remind people of the grosser, worse side of pro wrestling. Sure. And so, I mean, I kind of just have to assume that this is kind of that. It's the old man. Like, Terry was his guy, his most important guy he ever had. And he's going to take care of him, you know, now that they're both in their old age. Like that's, that's all that made sense to me because like you have all the footage of Hulk Hogan that matters. Like he's not going to go anywhere. It's like, Oh, if he shows up in new Japan and walks out to the ring with the bullet club, like that doesn't do anything for new Japan's business long-term. 
it'll get some tweets, but it's like it's not. There's no. There's nothing I see that 2018 Hulk Hogan brings to your show because again, you have all of the footage, you have all of his classic matches in two whole companies, and more than two because you have his AWA stuff, you have his you know his old WWF stuff. So like I I don't I don't really get it other than that I just have to assume it's the old man taking care of one of his guys. Which which is weird in and of itself because those two have had a very strange relationship for 35 years. <laughs> sure. And um but to your point I'm sure I'm sure that is probably the case. But if you if it was just about taking care of Hogan financially, you could pay Hulk. Um, you know, you could sign him to a Legends deal or whatever deal that Austin and Sean had to keep them from going to TNA, um, you know, about a decade ago. Uh, you could you could sign him to some kind of deal, uh, and I don't think the public would be any you know any the wiser uh, if it was just about taking care of him financially, but. To your point, it's more like, oh, I want to, I want to help out this guy, and you know, public help him publicly redeem himself, or at least try. But if there's anything that I've learned in following Hulk Hogan's career for the last thirty years, it's he will stick his foot in his mouth again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that you know the locker room being a little split or very split in some cases. Uh, I mean, who who's ever known Hulk Hogan to be dis, uh, disingenuous? You know, <laughs> who's, who's ever heard of Hulk Hogan being insincere, especially <laughs> when he's trying to get in the good graces of a company he wants to work for? Yeah, I I don't know, man. That's well, whoa. I just I just hope because you know Hulk made a point of saying he doesn't need to just apologize to the black wrestlers. He just needs to apologize to all wrestlers. Ugh. So I, just, I really hope Natalia and Mojo Raleigh and Kurt Hawkins, I hope they all accepted Hulk's apology. I hope they found it in their hearts to forgive him. I hope guy who dated a Nazi Seth Rollins found it in his heart to forgive him. Oof. Oof. So the, here's the thing about Seth Rollins. It's like he's the most over guy right now. <laughs> I feel like I feel like they should be building around him. And then it, it hits me. I'm like, I, I find myself, you know, kind of being a fan of Seth Rollins. <laughs> Reminder, oh yeah, he did to that girl who had swastikas tattooed on her arms. <laughs> yeah, sure did. Interesting. <laughs> Good yeah. Lord Almighty. What is wrong with this business? I don't know, man. It's just <laughs> It's just, it's 2018, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes when you're trying to not think about how terrible some of the people are. I don't know. Speaking of which, Randy Orton's back. Uh, speaking of terrible people who are good wrestlers. Yeah, that that youngster's finally getting a push. Thank God. You know, you know I honestly didn't realize he had been gone for two months or whatever, whatever however long it's been. Um, <laughs> I just kind of went on living my life. <laughs> That's the mark of of a guy who like is really uh you know really overstayed his welcome. I think about that with like Seamus or mm -hmm. Dolph or uh you know I like some of the stuff the Miz does, but anybody that's been on TV for that long, it's just impossible for anything they they're involved in to feel new or interesting for me. 
Well, I guess we're kind of touching on SmackDown, so we might go a little bit in reverse here uh, chronologically, but uh, not a whole lot going on on SmackDown this week other than Randy Orton apparently kicking Jeff Hardy out of the U.S. title feud or something. Or Seems like both the Hardy boys are getting written off TV. I don't know if that's they're going to do more broken stuff or what. Um, who knows? Uh, but it seems like maybe yeah, the Hardy Boys are taking time off. Well, I know Jeff's really beat up. Uh, he, you know, was doing less and less on the house shows, and uh, these guys are in their forties now. And everybody was concerned when they came back over a year ago. How are they going to hold up to a full time WWE schedule? And Jeff got hurt, and Matt has somehow managed to do it uh, for about a little over a year now. But after seeing Matt Hardy wrestle at a house show, uh, it's pretty much because he and his opponents, at least on the house shows, don't even touch each other. Yeah. (laughs) He has has like the easiest house show matches ever. But it's really, to me, it's not the ring work. It's the cramming yourself in a rental car and driving 200 miles every night, you know? Sure. Yeah. It's stress that an average person of that age should probably not endure on a full-time basis. (laughs) So not a whole lot going on on SmackDown this week. Uh, the pay-per-view this past weekend, Extreme Rules, AJ Styles retained the SmackDown title, the WWE title, uh, over Rusev. To me, that was I, that was the result I expected. Uh, is that the result you expected, or did you get the feeling they were going to put the title on uh, Handsome Rusev? <laughs> uh, as much as I enjoy Rusev's shtick, uh, I did not expect them. I do not ever expect them to do anything with Rusev because I think he served his purpose, which is they built him up and they fed him to Cena and they built him back up and they fed him to Reigns and now he's done. He'll be, you know, a mid-card guy for as long as they want, but his time at the top was was to serve them in putting over the big dog and or big dogs and now that he's done that He's done. So no, I, I did not expect Rusev to win. Um, yeah, I think they probably. I think next week they're going to announce whatever they're doing with AJ for SummerSlam. Uh, AJ did not main event. Was main. He was on the semi main, and Dolph Ziggler main evented. But uh, AJ AJ did have a pretty good match with Andrade Almas on SmackDown this week. So there you go. I I don't know why they don't. You know, I would really like to see them go all the way with Almas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think that's a main event act. And uh, yeah, I would make, let's just, let's have almost beat some guys. But uh, I don't expect any logical thing going on here uh, coming from this company that put on that Extreme Rules show on <laughs> Sunday. What a weird, bad <sighs> extravaganza that was. <laughs> um, I guess. On the plus side, it was over before 11 p.m. <laughs> That's about all I got. What did you think of the rest of that show? That, as you mentioned, was headlined by Dolph Ziggler, who got a heel win in an Iron Man match. Uh, yeah, it was a bad show. I, I didn't think there was anything remotely... like. I thought uh, Route 7 AJ, as we mentioned, had a pretty good match. And I thought... Roman and Bob Lashley worked pretty hard, and we can get more into that in a minute. But overall, uh, yeah, not very good. It was, and some of it was downright bad. And 
Kevin Owens took an insane bump. Uh, and yes, there was a crash pad in the table or whatever, but it was still a pretty crazy bump, and his head still snapped pretty hard. Uh, second show in a row, he's taken a Mick Foley stunt bump. Um, and then, yeah, Dolph and uh, Seth had a, a pretty boring main event, and then they tricked you. They made you think you were going to get like a clean, decisive finish even to the point where they have Kurt come out and restart the match once after you, you they gave you a BS finish because like now we're gonna get like the real match and instead they went nine seconds and Seth got distracted like an idiot and lost. So I I liked that they swerved us by telling us that they weren't gonna give us a crappy stupid finish and then did anyway. It was a real cool trick they played on us. Ugh. They're <laughs> just playing a trick. Yeah. Just a, ter- a terrible it show. It was mean-based. That <laughs> trick was mean-based. Yes, it was. <laughs> they hate their fans. They don't care. They're, they they do not care. Uh, the fans, for their part, did their best to F up the show also. <laughs> um, uh, chanting along with a clock in the main event. Um, ruining the trying to ruin the Roman and Lashley match, which I, I don't know. Well, I, I guess we can talk about fans here real quick. Do you blame the fans for hijacking these shows or do you blame them for reacting to terrible product? Well, no, I don't, I don't really blame the fans in that way. I mean, obviously people are going to point out that, Oh, well, now you've given them an excuse because you hijacked the main event during a non-Roman Reigns match. So now you've told them that it doesn't matter who you put in that main event spot. The fans are just going to hijack the show. So it's not Roman. So if that's your point and those type of fans are trying to hijack the shows to, to show that they don't like Roman Reigns, then yeah, I guess that's a point for WWE. But I think Iron Man matches as a whole don't work as a stipulation, and they certainly don't work in 2018. Uh, Anytime you put a clock on the screen and tell people, hey, you don't have to care about what happens in this match for the next 27 minutes, I think that's a bad uh, stip. If they had just had a match that happened to go 30 minutes, it probably would have been really, really good. But they put the clock on the screen. Um, Here's the thing, like... That Brett Sean Iron Man match, it's not it's not a fun watch for me. Like it's it's long. Orton and Cena had one, which was also very long. Like uh, I was reminded that there was a Charlotte and Sasha one that I had blocked out. Um, there was a Bailey and Sasha one that was good. Okay, that one I remember in NXT, but I I just think that's not a stipulation that that works in in 2018. Specifically not 2018 WWE when fans are prone to hijacking and really only get into matches once the big moves start getting kicked out of. And when they think when they feel like the match could end at any second. And when you know for sure that the match won't end for 23 more minutes, then it's really easy to probably get bored and feel like stuff doesn't care stuff doesn't matter. That's a fair point, and that's why I would like to blame the agents for the way that um, the homogenization of matches is, I mean, WWE to an extent has never been where you go for like the cutting edge state of the art pro wrestling. 
but the quality of the uh, of the in ring the last three years or so has gotten really bad, and everything. I mean, athletically, it's not bad, but just everything is very patterned and absolutely the same. And I blame yeah. it. I blame it on guys like Dean Malenko and Arn Anderson and Billy Kidman who haven't taken bumps in 15 years or more trying to put together matches for people. And it's like, what the hell does Arn Anderson know about working a state-of-the-art match in 2018? For what it's worth, those Seth and uh, Dolph matches that they had on TV that got people raving, uh, according to at least uh, his wife on Twitter, TJ Wilson was the agent of that match. So maybe he should be agenting the main events. Sure, and, and maybe he is doing more of that now. Um, but And I'm not saying there's not a place for guys like Arne Anderson and Dean Malenko and that you can't learn aspects sure. of psychology and putting a match together. But after you know the 75th straight WWE show where <laughs> I see somebody ram their shoulder into the post and that's how you get the heat on them, I'm like, good lord. <laughs> it's... It, how, do they they does has Vince just seen so much wrestling in his life that he doesn't care anymore? <laughs> and if that's the case, yeah, can we have TJ Wilson and hell even Jamie Noble and you know um, Sarah Stock and Sarah Del Rey and people like that putting the matches together? And I know they are putting some of the matches together, but well, here's a question: Why is Shawn Michaels doing matches in NXT? Other well, than he does. He doesn't want to travel, probably. He, he probably doesn't want to travel. <laughs> Let him do it over the phone, then. I don't, like... Sure. I don't know, yeah. man. It seems like seems like a no-brainer to me. I like, But, yes, that's, that's a good question as to why guys like that or Steve Carino or whoever are working in... I mean, you know, Carino's kind of from the same era that, like, Kidman and Malenko are, so maybe he wouldn't be that much better. But at least it would be fresh eyes or fresh you know somebody who hasn't been there for 10 years you know making the same main events and specifically as you mentioned for the last you know three to five years but yeah there's there's a certain pattern to them um but yeah overall like i said it, it felt like a show where again they don't have to care and in some ways it felt like they were actively telling their fans F off. This is what we're going to do. And it doesn't matter if you like it. Yeah. That's sad. It's very um, weird. It's very <laughs> weird that people still pay like hundreds and thousands of dollars to sit front row at these shows. Hey, I spent like, you know, $175 for my wife and I to go to Raw last time they were here. <laughs> and. I'm get on a microphone and complain about the product every single week. And yet when they come to town, because it's your only time, you know, once or twice a year, you get to see major league wrestling. You're going to pay if you like, if you like wrestling. And then, then if there are performers there that you want to see, you're going to pay it. Like, well, that's not, I'm not talking about that type of fan who goes twice a year. I'm talking to people that are there like, repeatedly and travel to shows and are going to buy tickets and plane tickets and go to access and <laughs> spend a weekend in Los Angeles this year and go to NXT and then go to, and go to survivor series and then go to raw the next night. And like those type of people who are spending thousands upon thousands of dollars to 
for a product that they hate and knowing that they are hated by the people putting the shows together. It's fascinating. Why do you pay your money and then go and like ruin actively ruin the show? That's what I don't get. Like go and sit on your hands, fine, but <laughs> you're gonna go and play with beach balls? I don't understand. Ah, I guess people feel like that's more entertaining than what's in the ring. Like sometimes they do it during like Cesaro matches or something, which I don't really get. But yeah, and we we've talked before about you know the fans chanting for UFC fighters or. Uh, you know, other dead wrestlers or people working for other companies. It's like, you know, I as always, I would suggest, well, why don't you chant for people you do want to see in the main event? Like, you know, why don't you chant for when Roman Reigns is out there? Why don't you chant for Daniel Bryan or Johnny Gargano or AJ Styles, whoever, whoever you want to say. There were more Rusev Day chants during Roman Reigns' match than there were during Rusev's match on Sunday. Yeah, that's fair. Um, speaking of Roman Reigns' match on Sunday with Bobby Lashley. Bob. His name's Bob Lashley. Bob Lashley. I've, I've made a decree that we will refer to all wrestling Bobbies as Bob from here on out. Okay. Uh, Bob Lashley and Roman Reigns. It was. Uh, it felt unofficially like that was the main event of that show, and it was uh, kind of unofficially a number one contenders match, and then it went on in the middle of the card. Bob Lashley won. And then they went ahead and announced like a number one contenders tournament on Monday Night Charlie the next night. Uh, I mean Monday Night Raw. Sorry? The next night. Okay. Yeah. I said Monday Night Raw. Right. Monday Night Raw the next night. Um. But here's my problem with Bob Lashley. The guy can't cut a promo. He can't move. He can't work. Other than it... other than that, I think he's a swell guy. He's <laughs> gonna swell. How do you think a guy gets a physique like that at his age? It's it's really, really weird. I don't know. Like even if you're taking all of the drugs, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you look like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean he does feel I thought they worked real hard and Well they they worked very hard and he took an insane bump over the top to your point. Yes. But it, I I thought it was one of Roman's I don't know. Robin hasn't had a particularly good year on pay-per-view this year, but I don't know how much of that is his fault because I've seen him have a lot of really good wrestling matches. But I thought this was not like any better or worse than the match with Jinder Mahal or uh, you know the match the month before that. Uh, well, no, it was probably better than the Joe match, but um, yeah, it. If, I I did not think it was one of Roman Reigns' better matches, and Roman Reigns tends to have very good pay-per-view matches as patterned as they are sure but then they went out and they told you on raw and michael cole in fact said that roman reigns had uh more right to claim number one contendership than anyone else in the ring when all of the other guys were out there including bob lashley and seth and finn balor who lost never lost the belt two years ago sure and still never got a rematch indeed and roman lost on sunday night and now he and Bob are going to wrestle again on television this this coming week for the right to wrestle Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Oh man, do you got a feeling for which way they're going to go? Uh, they're going to go there. Um, to me, I took this as a, a middle finger to the fans, and I think it's going to be Roman. Yeah, I mean, I've 
I, and as always, until I've proven otherwise, I always suspect that it's going to be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. They really like that match. It hasn't. It's only been good once. Yeah, it's when people liked Brock Lesnar, um, and then they spent about a year and a half trying to make you not like Brock Lesnar and make his matches less exciting. It's, it's and I guess it worked. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, we got that to look for, that number one contenders match to look forward to this week on Monday Night Charlie, and uh, we will uh, have that to discuss next week. Um, the G One is going on in New Japan. I think the general consensus so far is that the A Block's been a little disappointing, while the B Block is where it's at. Uh, I enjoyed. I have enjoyed what I've seen so far. How are you enjoying the G One? I haven't gotten to see a lot of it. Um, really enjoyed the Tanahashi and uh, Suzuki match. Yeah, that was excellent. Uh, I thought that was really good. Um, haven't seen it done. Was a little. I'm just. I'm not quite ready to buy in on on Jay White yet. I was. I did think he had a really good match with Juice Robinson on the uh, Long Beach or the San Francisco show, but I I thought per Okada standards that was kind of a disappointment. Um, but I mean, I've liked what I've seen. It's, it's a lot and you can probably speak more to that as you've had to, you've had to be up, you know, very late Eastern standard time to, uh, (laughs) cover these shows for the wrestling observer website. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed what I've seen, but it, it, it does kind of start to pile up because it's every night. So I'm sure at a certain point it almost starts to feel like homework. I know it does for me sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, feel like I love ice cream. Uh, if I eat ice cream every day for a month, I'd probably get sick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like it to that. But, uh, but hey, it's nice watching wrestling um, where it feels like who wins and loses matters. Like, I watched Yoshihashi <laughs> and Togi Makabe uh, wrestle in the first match of the, of the G1 tournament. And just because it felt like it was important who won or lost, these two, you know, either uh, has-beens or never was-es, uh, had, <laughs> had a match uh, that felt like it meant something. And they had a really good match. Um, so it's nice watching wrestling that feels like it matters and wins and losses matter. And you're not going to turn on the next show and they're not going to tell you that the guy who lost last night actually is going to be wrestling for the title. (laughs) Yeah, that would be silly. Oh gosh. (laughs) All right. We touched on G1. We touched on Hulk. We touched on extreme rules and television this week. Is there anything else you want to get to? Uh, I think it's just time for us to do our, our, our lists of people who should quit and, uh, and then we can get out of here. All right. Uh, let's see. Are we going? Are we going to go top three? Top three. I think that's that's probably the safest bet. All right. My list this week would be in no particular order: uh, Finn Balor, Bob Rude, and um, uh, Seth Rollins. Okay. How about Good yourself? Uh, as always, uh, well, I should say you'll you'll know who my number one is in a moment, but. Uh, number three, also going Bob Rude. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely that guy. That guy's future is not looking so bright. He he lost a non-title match clean to Dolph Ziggler. 
and, and um, then he's gonna, he's gonna be working with Mojo. Yeah, that's and it didn't look like he's going to be the star <laughs> of that program either. It's going to be a program designed to get Mojo over. So <laughs> imagine looking at those two <laughs> and thinking Mojo's the guy we gotta make here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, Bob's already a big star who smiles and wears a robe. So, yeah, Mojo's going to get the rub from beating him in nine-minute Raw matches. Uh, number two, let's, uh, uh, hmm, I don't know, maybe either Sasha and or Bailey, depending on where the storyline goes. Maybe it would just be better if they found another line of work. Took a very and, interesting turn on Raw on Monday. Uh-huh. I mean, side note. Uh, I don't want to spring up a boss time on you, but they're going to make women's tag belts, right? I I guess. I, I don't know. I just wish that... I wish they... I wish they knew. Like, th- they've been teasing this match for 15 months. Yeah. <laughs> what? Longer than that. 18 months. What the hell? Yeah. Yep. And then uh, my number one, who, as I mentioned last week, will be my number one until the day he quits, Finn Balor. Please leave. No argument. Please leave. You're going to go into matches, and you're going to get cheered real loud, and people are going to go crazy when they think you're going to win, and then you're going to get speared by Roman Reigns and pinned. That's that's what you're doing. And then you're going to come out in your leather jacket and smile next week and get called short by Baron Corbin. Just quit. Quit, Finn. Just quit now. Please. Did you uh did you enjoy uh speaking of leather? Did you enjoy Whoa. Mickey James out there in uh leather shorts and high heel boots in her role as Alexa Bliss's aunt who's clearly going through some stuff <laughs> <laughs> on the pay per view on Sunday. Such a tremendous description. She she's out there and I saw, you know, Rousey uh doing spots with her and I'm like, wow, you know. I like Mickey. Mickey's a good worker, but she's kind of slow sometimes. And I'm like, wow, even for Mickey, she's moving slow. Why? And it's like, oh, because she's she's wearing she's wearing ridiculous shoes because she's Alexa Bliss's aunt who's clearly going through some stuff. Yeah, I that was something. I got we mentioned that Ronda's they're doing Ronda and Alexa at summer at the Summerfest. It's gonna kill her. Ronda's gonna kill her. Probably, unless, of course, you know, Alexa just wins with the DDT. That's always a possibility. Or, or a punch. <laughs> or a punch to the face. Good Lord. <sighs> All right. Well, or Natty turns on Ronda. Yeah, that could be. Start that barn burner of a feud. SummerSlam's usually a heel win show, but what happens when all of their shows have become heel win shows? <laughs> You know? I believe everybody, I guess, except for Bob Lashley and AJ Styles, I think every heel won on Sunday. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Remember when that company was the, the company of the, the hero? Speaking of Hulk Hogan or John Cena, for that matter. And we built around the hero and we built up challengers for the hero to conquer. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and maybe sometimes the mid card would have a, a heel champion for a while, but. You know, it was generally a company built where you you built up superstars to be good guys, and then you would bring in various foes for them to face off against. We talk about bringing people in. There were places to bring people in from. You know, like like there was way more turnover in the roster. It wasn't like 
you know, Rusev, you mentioned, you know, got fed to Cena, then somehow like worked his way back up the card enough to to get fed to Roman. And then, okay, in 1990, if that happened, if that happened with you know Hogan and Duggan or whoever, if you got two kind of top of the card runs like that, well, then you'd be gone. I mean, pretty much the only guy that didn't kind of, uh, ha- you know, work work the circuit like that and managed to stick around, I guess Kurt Hennig to an extent, although. Curtis Axel's been there a lot longer than Kurt Hennig ever was. <laughs> and DiBiase. I mean, DiBiase had the run on top and then was the tag team guy. Or, you know, then kind of had the mid-card run with the mid-card belts and working with the beefcakes and guys like that. Mm-hmm. And then he had the run with IRS as, as the tag team. And he, you know, he got a good six, seven-year run out of that. Mm-hmm. That was Pipe. pretty pretty rare for a, a heel. Piper stuck around, but he that's because he was smart enough to never let Hogan beat him on TV. Right, and, and he was in and out a lot. True. He I mean, did I, leave for a couple of years and come back. Yeah, but yeah, the, that's, that's another good example. And and he wasn't a heel that entire time either. But True. anyway, to your, to your point about it being a babyface territory, it was always a babyface territory, but there were also more places to draw talent from. And, you know, more you could send people away and they would come back you know, years later and would be fresh. If they used NXT like that, or if the pay the pay was anywhere close, you know, uh in, in NXT, you could it do could that. It could be if they wanted it to be. Well, especially now that they have, you know, two billion dollars or whatever. But. Yes. Well speaking of drawing talent, our last little news bit here I guess should be hey, there's gonna be an ROH New Japan joint show at Madison Square Garden after all. Yeah, what do you know about that? Uh, yeah, so got that, and it was worth noting as people picked up on Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are not going to be advertised for that show, at least not currently, because their deals are up. So we talked, how could WWE strike back at the indie scene following stuff like All In or certainly following you know them uh, those darn indies doing a show in 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 vince and vince's father's castle that's how they're gonna throw a lot of money at them and anybody else that isn't nailed down yeah it's very it's very interesting it's gonna be very interesting uh late fall and winter as those contracts come up and you know we start hearing about Who's gonna Who's gonna get uh, get a lot of money thrown at them? But yeah, absolutely, very in- very interesting time to me. If WWE cared so much, why haven't they run television there in a decade? Like, <laughs> I like think they- maybe they thought that if it ever came up, they could just in- intervene and tell them not to run the show, and it almost worked. Well, Bar- Barclays has very very clearly become their home arena. Like. <laughs> I don't know why they still, you know, other than you mentioned, you know, being Vince's dad's castle, why they why they care. But yeah, that's that's why it's not doesn't matter if it's your ex-wife. You still don't want you still don't want to go see her out on a date with somebody else. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I thought that was a good analogy. It's not bad. Just immediately brought Aunt Mickey, who's clearly going through some stuff <laughs> to mind for some reason. I'm not sure why. I don't know. Her, she's she's doing great. <laughs> now, why do you ask? 
<laughs> she loves hanging out with the 22 year old that she's paired with on TV every week. Oh, but they have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Seriously. One is a mother and a like <laughs> low level country music star and you know, a good worker that, who's worked right. all over the world. And one is a 23-year-old girl who's only ever wrestled in the WWE Performance Center. That they have tons to talk about. And has a pet pig. Yeah, that's a you know totally relatable thing that I'm sure they talk about a lot. Like Mickey <laughs> can talk about her children, and Alexa can talk about her 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 pet pig, or you know drama, or Disney. Yeah, you know all those all those things that they have. I'm sure they have in common. All right, it's getting very dangerous. <laughs> very, it's getting very close to me saying. I think something. I just called Mickey James old for like the last two minutes straight. <laughs> I think what so. A jerk. I think so too. All right, let's get out of here before one of us says something weird. Uh, until next time, I'm Ethan. <laughs> I'm Liam, and we'll be back uh, very soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Farewell. Thanks for listening to the Wrestling Life part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. What if we had you do some famous sports lines in the arrow voice? I love that idea. You would do that? I really love that idea, yes. <clears throat> what are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. Practice. So I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm just here so I won't get fined. Playoffs? No, I can't. Wait a second. I'm going to have to really commit to this. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. Are you kidding me? Playoffs? Well, I just hope we win a game. That was Arrow and as Jim That was so good. Thank you. <laughs> But on the plus side, Jeff Bezos has $150 billion. Good for that guy. Always great to see, you know, really intelligent, not people that just got lucky, right. you know, really make it. So right. it's good to see that. What is it with all of these weirdos that when they get, like, 
more than ten billion dollars, they're like, okay, we got to go to outer space. <laughs> it's like they're all really dumb. <laughs> or I think maybe it's just when you have that much money, you run out of things to do <laughs> because you can only buy so much, like so many houses or so many drugs or so many other businesses. Right. So eventually you just go, well, I just throw like five billion into a rocket ship. Oh, Lord. I don't know. Or you can be like uh, Musk and uh, <laughs> try to make a, a child a child coffin. <laughs> I mean, submarine. Right. And then they're like, uh, Mr. Musk, we can't use this. Um, it, the children would die. And he's like, well, you're all pedophiles. Yes. <laughs> like, what? Super cool. That's another thing. Like, imagine being that nauseously, disgustingly rich and still getting on Twitter <laughs> to argue with Joey Four followers. I must argue with this cartoon boat. <laughs> yes. Super important. But, you know, and that's my other favorite brand is the people that feel they must defend that person. Right. Uh, You know, if I won't defend the billionaires, who will, honestly? Jeez. I try to keep on keeping on.